That's how in writing you turn chaos into flow. It cannot happen the same way that you would see it in your mind or on a, on a movie screen. In writing, in order for it to make the proper movie, it has to happen point by point by point, everything grouped together. This is Taylor Stevens, the award-winning and New York Times best-selling author of the kick-ass Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers, and this is the Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt, one word at a time. (laughs) (laughs) This is the way we prepare for shows. We know what we're going to talk about, but we didn't discuss who was going to introduce the chit-chat topic. Before we get to the chit-chat topic, let me tell you what the actual topic is going to be. We're going to be doing part two of looking through uh, the material that that Taylor was working on um, of Carol's last week. So we're going to get into that again. We are thrilled that the video part of this worked. So we're going to be doing video again this week, which is completely awesome because we had no idea whether or not it was going to work. And it did. So, I mean, there was always a chance that we'd, I'd, I'd check the recording and there was no video and no audio and no nothing. But everything, everything worked fine. I, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Taylor, what are we going to talk about in the chit-chat? Well, I wanted to know how things are going with you and the writing project you've been working on. Because for a while there, you were going gangbusters and I was helping you. And that became material for this show. And then I haven't heard cricket. So what's going on, Steve? Well... That's uh, that's an interesting question. I am almost done with the first book. And I know I promised to send you material prior to finishing, but I have. Yeah, somehow I remember you saying I'm not going to dump everything (laughs) on you all at once. Yes, but I don't want to go back. You have asked me to get the material into the same shape it was in the first time I sent you stuff, which is not first draft it's like for me second draft which for you would be word vomit oh shut up (laughs) but i haven't (laughs) wanted to go back and do that i've wanted to just grind through it and so every week when we talk my advice (laughs) i say i'm going to get this cleaned up and send you some stuff but then i just can't bring myself to do it because i just need to keep going i have i have so little writing time now that that what i have I want to be actual writing time and then I can go back I'm going to go from what you saw the first time and clean it up get it in the same place where what you saw the first time was and then send it to you and when I get your comments back and you can you can send them back in what at whatever speed you want but as you're doing that then I will go back and start entering uh, making the changes based on the initial comments that we discussed several weeks ago here on the show so that is my plan that's smart good job now yay applause how's your writing coming Uh, (laughs) turnabout is fair play Uh, yeah it is right okay so um the last newsie that i sent out for everybody who's on my email list would have gotten this and i talked about how um, around Christmas time, I, 2016 Christmas, I had finished this work in progress that had just been dragging on forever. Every time I thought I was almost finished with it, I wasn't finished with it. And um, I got done and it went into the very sloth-like process that things go through when they deal with um, publishing. 
And uh, so normally when I get a book done, I'm just like, I'm dead. I was like, I don't want to look at anything. But this time around, I went right into writing because, um, you know, writing has been a real big struggle for me these last couple of years. And listeners have heard me talk about it and stuff. And I just felt like if I stopped, I would... um, I'd probably like when you're so tired that if you stop, you just never want to get up again. And I was afraid of that. And some things happened that I wrote about in more detail in the newsy about how I went back to a a work that I had previously just touched on. And I started to feel like, oh, my gosh, this is kind of cool. This is this is a really good story. So I just started writing it like word vomiting. But the words were coming in a way that they hadn't for so long. And what I realized was that like this, this story was not Monroe. It wasn't a thriller. It was just a story. And I was finding joy in just being able to tell a story without that pressure of having to perform. So it's been coming along. I, I'm not spending as many days. Like I was just really pushing hard where I was writing like every single day. And it was like, I'm not doing that. I'm writing fewer days every week. But I'm making more progress in those fewer days than I used to because it's the words are coming and the story is coming and it feels amazing because it does a real number on your psychological health when <laughs> you're not for, you just you, you're trying and you're doing and, and you just don't. It's like, am I broken? Uh, what is the matter? Why can I not do this thing that I know how to do? And all of a sudden you're like. Oh, I'm not broken. It still works. So it's been exciting. Not uh, if I was writing every day like I was before, I'd probably be finished with it already. But I'm not. And I'm still happy anyway. And how are you tracking your progress on this? So I know for me, I, I, I'm tracking words and I have a, a word goal for the end of the book. Although, you know, you, you come to the end of the book when you actually reach the end of the book. So I have yeah. no idea how close I'm going to come to that word goal. How are you keeping track of how you're coming with this? I have a, I do everything just on a paper calendar. Like I, you know, people have heard me talk about for years of like goal setting and all this type of stuff. And, you know, new years, I'll sit down and think about the new year and everything goes into like a, a file, not a file folder, but like a binder. That's like, this is 2017. So my goals for the year will go in there. And every month I print out a, a calendar and I jot in there, you know, what I did word count wise, where I am in the story. And so at the end of the year, I have a complete record and I color, I do it. Every book has a different color. So if I'm just like looking back real quick to see when did I start this? When did I stop this? I can just go by color instead of having to actually read what's being written down because my handwriting is really sucky. So yeah, I just, it just goes into that binder. Okay. And I, I will say this, and I'll be curious to see what you think when you actually look at what I, at what I send you. I feel like each week as we do these shows, I pick up more things. And because I'm constantly writing now, it, it, I can apply it almost immediately, <clears throat> but there's going to be this process of, you know, like where I started and where I finished. And I feel like the, the second draft that you see for the last part of what I'm writing is going to be way better than the second draft of the first part. Of, I hope of what so. I wrote. So I hope I'll, so. I'll, be, I'll be curious <laughs> to hear what you think about that. Not no. because, not because I'm saying your writing is bad, but it's like uh, all this work that we're putting into these shows and everything, it'd be kind of sucky if it didn't have some payoff in it in the sense that 
you you're learning from it, you know, and all that work that you're doing writing, it'd be really sucky if you get to the end of it and you haven't improved. That's how you improve. So I'm, I'm, it has to be you, you put in the time, you learn it. And I'm very excited about that. Yes. And and one of the problems is, and I, I suspect I'm not the only one with this problem when it comes to listening to you is that there is so much that there's only so much that we can retain. And so even though I listen to you while we record and then I listen to it again while I'm producing the show, and then sometimes I actually listen to it while I'm out driving around in the car, I probably only get half of of what you're delivering. I can only remember half when I'm writing. And so... I, I mean, that's really why that's one of the reasons why I really do want to do the Hack the Craft program so that everything because right now on the shows, it's all kind of scattered. You mm-hmm. know, we we cover writing, we cover the writer's life. And, but if you know, to get it all condensed into a, a linear program that goes through it. Oh, one day. Fingers crossed. OK, well, what what do you say we get to this week's show? All right, Taylor. All right. Yeah, so I I don't know if you can see on the screen where I've like actually highlighted something here. Oh, in... this is so cool, the things that we do on the Taylor Stevens show. Can you see it? Does it work? Yep. Okay, cool, because um, when we did the last show afterwards, I'm like, I really should have used the pointer a little more often and highlighted stuff so people could actually visually see what I was talking about. So here is where we left off last week with um, the other students looking around, apparently seeking someone named Leander and the crowd roiling in confusion. We talked about moving it all to different places and stuff. So starting this week here, we're going to open with Peter and Brent. Now, in the, in the, um, the actual larger material that this came from, there are four people that entered. We're seeing it through Leah's point of view. But there are four people in this party, well, group, and there's Leah and Peter and Brent and Cynthia. And so even though this is the first time that Peter and Brent are being introduced in this segment, they have already been introduced in the actual material material. So that said... I mark this out as an anchor, an anchor point, because we're in Leah's perspective and we've had all this stuff happen and it's fine that it's happened without any input from Leah, any thoughts on Leah. But when we switch to Peter and Brent without something from Leah, it can feel like a point of view jump. It's not a point of view jump, but it can feel like it because there's nothing from that brings us back into Leah's head before moving on to something else. So we need an anchor there. And I didn't put a suggestion of what it was, but it's going to have to be through Leah's point of view. Like, you know, Leah, this whole time, you know, they came together as a group and we've only been with Leah and there's been nothing from her about any of the other people in the group. So it would perfectly stand to reason that she glanced around looking for Peter. And that would be your anchor that, you know, she glanced around and then we would start, you know, Peter and Brent forced their way through the mass of people. Brent pushed beyond the scrum past a harp, and a standing 
base to climb up on the dais. And you guys can tell me right now. I don't even have to say it. I know you know what I'm going to say about that to climb. Passive voice. Passive voice. So, um, and when you really think about it, like actual grammar, what does it, he pushed beyond the heart in order to climb up on the dais? Like, it could also be misinterpreted. I mean, we're not going to misinterpret it, but when you think about what that actually means, then that's a clue that maybe that's not the most effective way to use those verbs. He held his badge high overhead. Police, this is a crime scene. Please remain exactly where you are and stay calm. So I didn't mark this out here, but I've marked it out in a couple other places that um, whenever um, these guys, these police officers are talking, they use a lot of words. And this is not like I'm saying, oh, this is the way to do it. This is not the way to do it. But this is my editorial mind kicking in going, in a high-intensity, very loud, chaotic environment like that, we're going to have quick sentences and strong commands. And I think that's going to show up in a, in, a note, in a comment coming soon. And I didn't highlight this one, but this one is one, too, where we can eliminate please because that is not that that's too polite in the situation. So re, and we can remain, we can remove the word exactly because it can become redundant. So just remain where you are, stay calm. Bam. Right. So I'm not, I didn't outline it out because there's nothing wrong with this. It's just personal preference. And I think that, um, it would keep the chaos tighter. The fewer words you use in a chaotic scene, the tighter it moves. So it's just something to keep in mind. So the next one is here. Leah stood aside while Peter crouched by the man and pressed his fingers against the man's throat to confirm the obvious. So I started, I called out, blocked out this Leah stood aside. And my personal issue, and this is, again, this is a personal thing, is like stood aside is vague in the sense that it doesn't really actually show us what Leah is doing or why she's doing it. So it's not the strongest way to communicate that movement. Like I get from a writer's perspective, when you're seeing that movie in your head, you're just um, saying, you know, Leah stood aside. So it's kind of like when we talked about before how you use the word smile a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And how I had to go through and delete a lot of smiles. Like we're using them in place of um, body language or whatever. And this type of movement here can be the same kind of filler where you're, you're, you see the move, the, see it in your head and it makes sense in your head. But when you put on page, it can not really work that way. So in this case, maybe she stepped aside to make room because that explains a, a clear movement and explains a motivation as to why, why is she doing this? Right. Um, in other words, she's just, or she just, just standing there helpless while Peter's doing this thing. It's like, if we're seeing this in her point of view, we want her to actually be effective, not be active, not passive. So it's just something to think about. Then I highlighted the word while Leah stood aside while Peter crouched the way the word while is used right here. 
That's the same as if we use the word as to join multiple movements. And everybody by now is tired of hearing me say how I feel about that. But it's going to be much stronger if you eliminate that and you just say, like, Leah stepped aside to make room. Peter crouched by the man and pressed his fingers against the man's throat. And then I didn't block this out, but to confirm that borderlines on passive, but it also tells us what why Peter is doing what he's doing, but we're not in Peter's point of view. So that's borderline crossing point of view. Now, it's excusable. It's not going to make or break a story. But if you really want to clean it up, you're probably going to say something like, Peter crouched by the man and pressed his fingers against the man's throat, comma, confirming the obvious. Because now we see what he, he's done instead of being told why he's doing it. So here we have the next sentence says, she glanced up at Brent. And this is an anchoring issue. Where is Brent placed? Like, where is Brent? Because we have Leah stood aside while Peter crouched by the man and pressed his fingers against the man's throat to confirm the obvious. She glanced up at Brent, who was now on his phone. Well, if Leah stood aside and glanced up at Brent, then he's a giant. Unless she's several steps down, because she's standing. So to glance up, where is he? So that's the type of anchoring that we need to have everything very clear in this scene with multiple things happening, multiple movements. She could glance over at Brent. She could um, turn towards Brent. She says, There's so many different options. There's not like a way to do it, but we have to be very cool. And the e one easy way to do it is to anchor Brent first, place him. There's... It's author's choice, but the, the, main, the main thing is we need an anchor right there. Um, and then, so she glanced up at Brent, who was now on his phone, calling for backup. That's in her thoughts. I didn't block this out, but personal preference, again, I'm going to try and avoid having to highlight the, the POV person's thoughts in italics. So um, I would find, personally, I would find a way to rework it. And then it said, synth held people away from the body. And so for that, this gives the image of a woman with her arms out, literally holding back a throng. Like she's holding people away from the body. That could be what the author intended. But I highlight it to question it. Like, is this what is intended? Like, as we're going through this beat, you have to analyze every single movement to make sure that the what you're really trying to portray is as strongly clarified as possible. The next part of it says Leah thought she should do something to help, but had no clue what. They're like a well-oiled crisis machine, and I'm just in the way. Those were her thoughts. And that whole segment there um, leans heavily into the show versus tell debate. Now, there's a lot of misperception about what show versus tell really is. And I've seen a lot of um, newbies, uh, people who, who think they know a lot about writing, 
just hammer authors about, oh my God, there's so much telling in this book and no showing. I've had people tell it to me about The Informationist. And it's, it, it just baffles me. Um, sometimes you just have to tell what happened because your book is going to be 200,000 words if you don't. And sometimes you want to show it. And these are the types of situations where it doesn't cost you a lot to show it and it'll really strengthen it. So my potential fix, like one way I would fix this would be something like, and this is, this will fix all of these little things. I think from like about here, here onward. And that would be Leah glanced from Brett on his phone and probably calling from back for backup to synth who stood arms out in the way of the crowd, motioning people away from the altar. They were a well-oiled crisis machine, and she was just in the way, wanting to help, but clueless and useless. Now, some people might say, oh, well, you're just telling there by saying she was just in, you know, they were a well-oiled crisis machine, and she was just in the way, wanting to help, but clueless and useless. You're just telling us what she is. No, that's not telling. That you are in Leah's head. Those are her thoughts. So... If we wanted to, like, prove that they're her thoughts or whatever, we could italicize them and say, this is Leah's thoughts. But it's, it's not telling. It is showing through Leah's point of view. Now, that was, those words, I just kind of threw them together. They are not like, oh, this is good writing. But I'm giving an example of how you could anchor and show what somebody's feeling and do all of this simply by rearranging the words and adding a few little tiny things. So Leah is thinking they're like a well-oiled crisis machine and I'm just in the way. She moved next to Peter. And for this, I blocked out why. Like there's no anchor to precede her movement. We need a thought anchor because for her to make a movement like that without a reason now, we can assume the reason from they're like a well-oiled crisis machine and I'm just in the way. We can assume the reason, but every reader is going to come up with their own version. She's, um, she's scared. She has no, um, no ability to um, be on her own without the comfort of someone else. There's a word for it, and I'm drawing a blank on that. And so this is where we need a thought anchor to precede the action because it would go thought before action. So next after that, we have Peter and he says, not now, Leah, he snapped out. And again, I'm like, why, why is he snapping at her? And now it's possible that previous readers who are already familiar with these characters, they'll understand what Peter knows, what Leah wants, why he's snapping at her. But then there are also going to be readers like me who are left wondering, um, because for someone to just step beside you, for you to snap at them and say, not now, it means that you believe they want something from you. So we're left like someone like me is left going, what was that all about? He's kind of a butt. <laughs> so she pushed back offended feelings. He was not angry, just focus. So. We're going to assume this is Leah speaking here. Peter, you need to find, you need Hannah. She knows everybody. 
Now, this could be my problem in that I blocked out only these 800 words and Hannah could have been explained earlier and by speed reading through and everything, I, I forgot it. But in context here, let's pretend that Hannah wasn't already introduced and all of that. We have no context, no thought anchor as to why Leah is suggesting to Peter that she needs, he needs, she needs, he needs Hannah. So we need some kind of thought anchor that like she realized how she could help because she was just up there thinking that she's useless, but now she's not useless anymore. She's come up with a solution. So there's got to be some anchor that's tying these things together. Um, or we could even say that um, the little magnetic trains, we're missing a car here mm-hmm. on that train track. Um, so um, then by... By having that thought anchor of why she's doing this before she's saying it, then it will um, it'll anchor us firmly into her point of view amidst all this chaos. And it'll also help us to understand or clarify, if we missed it earlier, how she knows what she knows, what role Hannah plays in all of this. So then we have Peter saying, find her then, we need to get this scene under control. He stood and waved his arms, shouting. So I blocked out. He stood and waved his arms, shouting. Because to me, this gives the imagery of sort of a madman flailing about and waving his arms and shouting. And the easiest way to fix this is to take the shouting part. So he stood. And, oh, I didn't highlight this, but... We see this. This is really, really common in um, even published writing. He stood up. That's redundant. That up right there could be taken out. Um, in, in the English language, we've got he stood up or he stood down, right? To stand down means to, um, to retreat. But in this context, we know nobody's going to be standing down in that sense. So there's only one stood, which the up. Uh, becomes redundant. It's the same with words like knelt. He knelt down. We don't need the down. We already know which direction that you kneel. But it's so common in the way that we use words that um, it uh, it's really easy to not spot those in the writing. But those are the types of redundant words that if you can pull them out, if you can spot them and pull them out, it the fewer words that you have in these sentences is going to give you that flow, that rhythm, um, things are going to come together and it's just going to be tighter and stronger. But it's really hard to see them when it's your own work. It's even hard for me. Um, so the easiest way to fix this, you know, imagery of someone standing and waving, flailing about is just attention, he shouted. Uh, it's really easy. Just put it, just move that right in here. He stood and waved his arms. Attention, he shouted. And then here... This is somewhat similar to what we talked about earlier, where, um, and this is just personal preference, this is the way I do it, is I'd really try and cut down those words. Um, It's just too many words for the chaos. I'm Detective Peter Dorson with the Cincinnati Police. I need everyone to move back to the vestibule. We need to get your names and move you out of here as quickly as possible, but it's going to take time. Please be patient. It's too much, in my opinion. Uh, it, just because it's my opinion doesn't mean it's right. So 
Peter spat out commands. All right. Um, we need some kind of action beat to anchor Peter through Leah's eyes before he starts spitting out commands. Like just something, something small, small anchor to move us from up here, please be patient, to now he's spitting out commands because obviously he's turned, he's done something, whatever. And we need that movement beat action. Leah, point out Hannah to synth. This creates a misplaced movement. He just told her, find her then. We need to get this scene under control. Why is she still standing around and waiting for new orders? Then he said, synth, grab Hannah, have her help you figure out who needs to stay and who can go and take contact information on anyone. Brent, meet our backup and do what you can with the crowd. Leah, get pictures of as many people as you can, but don't be obvious about it and move these mother-loving idiots back. I think I blocked out like this whole section here. And this one uh, comment is going to be for the whole thing. And it's like, this is really, really great. This segment is really, really great for character interaction. But it's problematic within the chaos of the moment because Peter, Peter's just spat out his commands and they're all still standing here around talking. So he tells them, move these mother-loving idiots back. Great, since said, contact info for 100 people. The chapel holds 200. It was sold out, Leah said. Even better. What did dispatch say, Peter asked Brent. Heckle and Jekyll are on rotation, ETA 20 minutes, though if they're hanging out at their favorite nude bar, it'll be closer to 40. Back up in less than five minutes. Okay, so great. I, I love the character interaction, but he just ordered people to go do something in this moment of chaos, and they're all just standing here talking. Um, so it's really critical in segments like this where it's confusing and there's so much stuff going on first, we need to make sure that we're consistent. If he's telling one person to do something and then he's telling her to do something else and then he's telling her to do something else, it's, we've got to think that through. Like, did it, does it all make sense? Um, then the second is that you want everybody's part to be together. It's like those little magnetic trains. So, if he's talking to Leah, he should say everything that he needs to say to Leah in one go and then move on to Cynthia and say everything in one go. And it's like we talked about before. This might not be how it happens in real life where there's so many things happening simultaneously, but in writing it has to happen in a chronological manner. And when you have a chaotic scene like this, and you're, he's doing this to that person and that to this person and that to that person, you completely lose the power of it if it's scattered like that. But if it's very focused, Peter spat out commands. Lia, point out Hannah to synth, get as many pictures of people as you can, but don't be obvious about it, and move these mother-loving idiots back. And Leah goes, all right, and she's gone. Synth, grab Hannah, have her do this. Da -da 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 -da. She does it, and she's gone. like that. It's, and then he would turn to Brent. Brent. Meet our backup. Ba -da 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 -da. That's how, in writing, you turn chaos into flow. It, it cannot happen the same way that you would see it in your mind or on a, on a movie screen. It, in writing, in order for it to make the proper movie, it has to happen 
point by point by point, everything grouped together. And in this case, we want to end this, this whole thing, we want to end it with Brent. And the reason for that is we've got this conversation here happening between Peter and Brent. And for us to have that connection, that anchor, we've got to get all that other stuff out of the way first, and then we move to Brent. And if we don't do it that way, we're just going to have chaos on top of the chaos. And so that is how you you would anchor it in this. All right, moving along. Um, so Brent says, you know, we've got 40 minutes to solve this thing before they take over and screw it up. Oh, I forgot one thing. This here, back up in less than five minutes. Okay, this is this is within the within the dialogue. Peter asks Brent, what did dispatch say? And Brent answers, Heckle and Jekyll are on rotation, ETA 20 minutes. So if they're hanging out at their favorite new bar, it'll be closer to 40, back up in less than five minutes. This needs to be reversed. We need to put back up in less than five minutes up here at the front of that. And here's why. We're getting the easy part out of the way. First of all, we're answering the question. That, that's the most immediate question. How soon are they going to have backup, right? That gets it out of the way. But the rest of this, all of this that comes next, that is in response to the comment about Heckle and Jekyll. And so how we've talked before about you're in the flow and then there's an interruption and then you go back to the flow, that's what that backup in less than five minutes is done. We want to get that up in the front, urgent information out of the way, and then we can have our little conversation about Heckle and Jekyll in peace without worrying about breaking up the flow. So... Um, Peter says, that's just perfect. Brent says, we've got 40 minutes to solve this thing before they take over and screw it up. Yeah, that'll happen. Peter turned and pointed at a blue-haired woman edging down a pew so she could see behind the organ. Okay, so we've got a couple of things going on here. Pointed at a blue-haired woman. It's an anchoring issue. We need some kind of anchor here so that we see what Lia sees before Peter makes his movement. Because Without reestablishing that we're in Leah's, Leah's point of view, we are um, walking that dangerous close line to whiplash. So we want to make sure that we're anchored in Leah's point of view. And then once we see what she sees, we're going to follow it through with thought, action, speech. So you can take all of that and, and just it's, 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 a, it's a pattern. If you follow that pattern, it's going to be clean. But when you put... Peter says something, then he turns and points at someone that we had no idea existed, our brains having to reorder this information. And then we have this thing of, so she could see behind the organ. How do we know that? We can only know it through something that the point of view character has observed or heard or knows already. So if it's an observation, it has to be stated as such. If it's something that she heard, it has to be stated as such. If she's assuming it, it has to be stated as such. Otherwise, we've just accidentally jumped point of view into that blue-haired woman's brain for those few words. Peter says, ma'am, I need you to move back um, into the aisle behind the third pew. It would be unfortunate if your fingerprints wound up as part of this investigation. Again, personal preference, I would cut down those words. And see, as you start to cut down the words, you're also messing with character. This is not my character. I don't know if he's established as being a very proper, very um, 
you know, very, very overly polite individual. And if he is and you start cutting out all that word, you could be messing with character. So take it with a grain of salt. I'm just saying without knowing anything else, that would be my own personal preference. So Constance needs me, she whined. Again, personal preference. Whined gives the impression of an ineffectual, childlike, whimpering person. This may be what we're going for here, but in that case, some form of action to show it would carry the weight further than telling it as dialogue tag. The other um, issue is um, we may possibly need an anchor here. And by switching the act, turning that wind into an action and switching it and putting it action before dialogue will automatically anchor that sentence so we understand the context of constant need, Constance needs me. We'll take care of her, Peter said. Lion knew by the grim set of his mouth that he was fighting to maintain patience. And I'm sorry I keep saying Lia. I know it's Leah. It's coming out of my mouth wrong. Just roll with me here. I apologize, Carol. Okay, so this is personal preference again. This can work the way it is. But it'll be stronger if you show the action of Peter's expression turning grim first and follow it through with a thought action speech pattern. So... Leah knew by the grim set of his mouth that he was fighting to maintain his patience. Right now, I need you off my crime scene. He knelt down. Okay, knelt down. That right there is one of those um, just little words. We could just delete that down right out because he knelt beside the prostate woman and placed a gentle hand on her shoulder. Are you Constance? We need to move you away from the body. You too, he said to the pretty young man. All right. This part here, you too, he said to the pretty young man, this needs anchoring because by now, unless we're super attentive, we've already forgotten who that pretty young man is. And he's just there. And it's like, wait, what? So it just creates a form of grit. So this is an anchoring and a thought action speech issue. So without the anchor, the thoughts and actions all blend together and they diminish the impact of each one. The easiest way to fix this is to anchor it by setting the pieces in place first and then moving the, to the action and dialogue. Something like, he knelt between the prostate woman and the pretty young man who'd continued to hover. We've just set the pieces there. Are you Constance? We need to move you away from the body. He nodded toward the young man. You too, he said. It didn't even need the he said on there. You too would have been fine. Goddamn bastard, she moaned. Goddamn, goddamn, goddamn bastard. There's a family chamber on the side. Maybe they could go there, Laya asked. So we need an anchor moving from goddamn bastard, she moaned, goddamn bastard. We need an anchor so that we know that we're switching and who we're switching to because there are multiple, multiple characters here. Anybody could be saying there's a family chamber on the side and we don't find out who it is until we get to Laya. Leah asked. So the easiest way to do this is to move the dialogue tag to the front. Leah said, there's a family chamber on the side. Maybe they could go there. Easy fix. I have to protect the scene, damn it. He rubbed his forehead. Synth, stand in the middle of the aisle. Don't let anyone pass. He turned to Leah. I can't let you go into an unsecured area. Whoever did this could be hiding in there. So we have a couple of things going on here. Um, first of all, when you have multiple characters, again, you want to make sure that you attribute. So he, in this case, could be the pretty young man. It could be Peter. It could be Brent. 
So we just need to make sure that's clear. Another thing is we've still got Synth standing here. Leah's standing here after he sent them off on these errands, right? He turned to Leah and he said, I can't let you go into an unsecured area. Well, here this is going to be in, in a flow issue because she has just said there's a family chamber on the side. That's what he's actually answering. But his answer is way down here at the bottom and the end of this following paragraph. So we need to restructure this for flow so that his answer and her question are as close together as possible. Um, and then again, of course, there's the issue of why are they all still standing there? But that's for an, another discussion. So. He tells her, I can't let you go into an unsecured area. Whoever did this could be hiding in there. Peter disappeared into the side chamber, gun drawn, and returned a few seconds later. All right, so we need another anchor here because he just said, I can't let you go into an unsecured area, and then he disappears. So, like, did he do a vanishing act? I mean, obviously, that we know he didn't, but we need a move, an action anchor because... How did we need to get him anchor him from here to there and um and maybe even a thought anchor of what Leah is perceiving in his reason for doing that um and then disappeared may not possibly be the best um verb here to use as for what action we're describing, but that's personal preference and just something to possibly keep in mind so Peter disappears into the side chamber, gun drawn, and returned a few seconds later. Get Junior to help you move. Constance, help you move Constance in there and wait. Don't let them talk to each other. So we need another anchor to proceed this dialogue here because we got went from Peter disappearing, gun drawn, and returning a second later. We need something. Who's he looking at? Just something to anchor the next sequence of dialogue. And then who's Junior? Like, I, I, I'm i guessing he's talking about the pretty young man, but we might need to anchor this too. And the easiest way to solve both of those problems is for him to point at the pretty young man and say, get Junior to help you move Constance in there and wait. Don't let them talk to each other. What about the pictures? Now, I'm guessing this is Leah asking because he had earlier told her, go get pictures. But in all of this speed of things, it could be anybody saying that. So we need a dialogue tag or an anchor to precede this dialogue so that we know what's happening. Peter says, forget the pictures. Take care of the wits. Aye, aye, Captain, she said. Um, I don't, I didn't block this out here, but this word wits, um, it's just something to consider in, in the context um, it could be easily misunderstood by some readers. Like, I understand he's talking about witnesses, but this might be the type, the moment where you want to maybe spell it out and say witnesses, even though it does make sense. It's just, it's, it's preference. But if you can avoid pissing off your readers or losing them through confusion, it's one of the easy ways to do it. And that brings us to the end of this segment. Did I talk fast enough? Wow. <laughs> I, we're, we're a little under a time crunch, and I didn't want to drag this off into another um, another episode. So I apologize for all of that. And let me say this. If, you're, if you are not watching this, you're only getting like 20% of it because I'm, I'm watching what Taylor's reading so that I can see the words and then I can see the changes 
in my mind and I can see the comments and it all comes together perfectly. I, I imagine it's a different situation if you're just listening. So if I'm you get sorry, a chance, you guys. do go to the website, uh, taylorstevenshow.com, and look at the video. See if you find that more helpful. This is something that we may do again at some point in the future when we have really complicated stuff like this because this was really complicated and there's a lot, there's a lot there. Carol, thank you so much for uh, for sending this in. It's just a, a wonderful example for Taylor to work with. Yeah, I would. I I don't know if anybody else could have sent this type of material in um, because there's just so much in it. And I was just like, oh my god, this is going to be amazing. The complexity of it to 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 show so many different things. So just thank you for that. Yes, and we did talk about it before we started doing this and thought, wow, this is a, a great opportunity to try video because it might make it more understandable. It, it's just, it's it's awkward to do this kind of work with just audio, and it's awkward to ask people to go and download something. So there are a lot of different ways that you could follow along and, and see what Taylor uh, see what Taylor was actually thinking when she did this. Now, quick question for you. Uh, because I can tell you put a lot of time into this over the course of the last couple of weeks. You probably did it all at once. But you you said something before we started recording that if if you were just making the changes, it wouldn't have taken that much time. It was explaining the changes that was complicated. So could you sort of go into that uh, briefly? Wait, yeah, like I um, I printed this out, this segment out, because I knew I was going to be away from my desk. And it took me like 10 minutes to read through it and just block out and notate, okay, this could be an issue, this could be an issue, this could be an issue. And I know it all in my head. And if I had this piece of material in his mind, I could sit there in about 10 minutes, I could totally rework it to solve all of those issues. Maybe some of them that required a little more finessing would take a little bit more time. But for the most part, these are really easy changes. But sitting here and blocking them out and explaining why this is an issue, how you could actually do it and getting all that. It, I was up, you can look at the times on some of these these comments. Let's see, um, when I was putting my marker on them before, it was highlighting it like, you know, 10.35 a.m., 1 a.m. Like I was up to like 1.30 in the morning yesterday working on these. All right, so we have come to the end of this episode. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will be back again next week with what I suspect will be audio only. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys, and thanks See again, guys Carol. Thank you.